Happy Valentine's Day. Tomorrow is Valentine. If you've not already purchased your Valentine flowers, there's plenty to choose from in the lobby. Please support. This is a fundraiser for the uh, church. Support something that you know is good soil. And this church is good soil, and this is a good ministry to involve yourself in. I, I heard this, and I thought this is funny. I wanted to ask you this. Does anyone know what flowers give the most kisses on Valentine's Day? Tulips. Tulips. You're thinking, where do I find these jokes? Cornyjokes.com. There you go. No, I don't. I want to read from the book of Luke today, and I'm going to be in several different versions. We're going to start off in the New King James Version and uh, I have a lot to say, and so I want to get right to it. So thankful you're here. You could have been anywhere today, but you're here, and you're going to hear the Word of God today. Amen? Luke chapter 6 and verse number 27. Would you read, uh, or would you stand for the uh, Word of God, the reading of the Word of God? Luke chapter 6, verse number 27 says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. How many thought on this Valentine's Sunday you was going to hear something about love? Erica told me, Bo asked, you know, I wonder what we're going to hear about today. And Erica's like, really? We're going to hear about love. All right. Verse number 28. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. How many have people in your life that spitefully use you? Amen. Everybody does. Verse 29. To him who strikes you on the one cheek. Offer the other also. How many heard the term turn the other cheek? There it was. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. That's true. And if you do good for those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. Here we go. Verse number 35 is going to bring it home for us. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High. I want to be the son of the Most High, amen? For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. I want to preach to you today with the subject, love when it's easier to hate. Love when it's easier to to hate. Pray for me. I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you're going to show us, you're going to lead us, you're going to guide us today. I'm asking for the anointing of the Holy Ghost that I can speak with boldness, Lord, the words that you give me, Lord, to deliver to these people. Father, I'm in commission, Lord, to feed your sheep. And God, that's what I want to do today. Would you anoint me with the power of the Holy Ghost? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Today is one of them days that I love to preach. I love to preach themed sermons. 
God gave me a sermon one day, and I, it was something about camouflage Christians, and, and I said, I'd love to have one of them suits that them snipers wear, you know, and it's in camouflage, and, and uh, they said, a ghillie suit, and I said, I don't know, you know, all, the only ghillie I knew was Mickey Gilly, and uh, I didn't want to do country music, so I said, what, whatever, and so they got me this big, hairy, green suit, and I wore it to preach in. I like fun things. I told Taylor, we're coming up in March, we're going to have a BGMC day. And I said, hey, you need a buddy barrel suit to preach in that day. I said, I'll have you preach, get you a big buddy barrel suit. I don't know if he'll do it or not, but I thought that might be funny. I like funny things, but I love to preach about love. I love to preach about love. Why? Because that's what God does to me. That's what he's done for me. Anytime I can preach on love... I love it. This is not a romantic sermon, but I hope we can see where love needs to be in our everyday lives. The days leading up to Valentine were bombarded with the topic of love. TV commercials, radio advertisements, displays in stores. Love is on the mind of most everyone. And uh, if you don't have someone that's loving on you, don't have somebody getting you anything, well, you, you might need to remind them. Sometimes we just have to be reminded and then we'll get on the ball and get something. Right, Shelly? She has to remind me, and so that helps me. When I think about love in the natural, I think about the love of my wife and how I love her. I love my children, parents, grandparents. I was raised up, or I was trained up to love people, and love started in our home. We didn't wait for the church to teach it to us. My parents taught it to the kids. Taught it to my siblings. They taught it to me better than the other kids got it. I'll just put it that way. My brothers and sisters. Oh, man. While loving my siblings, I really had to lean on that scripture in our text. But love your enemies. Mom and dad not only taught us how to love each other. They taught us what true love was all about. They taught us godly love through the word. They also demonstrated the love of God towards us. They taught us God's love, and God's love is greater than any other love that we could ever know. Amen? The first scripture is the most, uh, the first scripture most people learn and put to their memory is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The word's full of other examples, and I, I put some of these down. And, and listen, listen to the, this is just a love story right here, Romans 5 and 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. John, uh, John 15 and 9, it says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my, my Father's commandments... And abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you. Wow, I, I just seen the, you see the tie-in with love and joy. You, you're not happy, you're not doing, you better get some love. You better get some love, you're not happy. This is verse 11, it says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Talking about love. It ought to be a lot more happy in here than that. I'm talking about love. I haven't even told anybody they're going to hell today. 
And I'll be saying, amen, pastor. Preach on love. I like it. These verses show us how much God loves us and teaches us how we're supposed to love. I want to look for just a few more of these verses that testify of, of what we're supposed to be doing as Christians, as God followers, as believers, saints, whatever you want to call yourself. This is what we're supposed to be doing. All right. John 13 and 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come and he should depart uh, from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. All right, so we see the picture here. Judas is going to betray Christ. We already know that. Verse 3 says, uh, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things under his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Okay, we get the picture here. Jesus washed the disciples' feet, right? Jesus washed even Judas's feet, right? He already knew what was going on, correct? Jesus knew what was going on. Jesus already knew that, he was, uh, that Judas was going to betray him. He, even knew, uh, he knew he was going to be betrayed, but then he also knew who was going to betray him. Jesus had human emotions. So many times we think that Jesus just walked along the story, he's floating on a cloud and didn't, didn't ever feel a human emotion. No. The Word tells us he felt the emotions that we feel. So even knowing that Judas is going to betray him, he had a choice. He could love when it was easier to hate. Because that human emotion, when somebody's doing something against you, it's not easy to love them. It's not easy to love them. It's not easy to love somebody just out in the marketplace when they're being rude to you, being hateful to you. I waited 15 minutes the other day in Lowe's for a kid. He wasn't being rude or mean to me. He just didn't know what he was doing. I needed the love of God right then. I was like, oh, my word. Finally, I said, I've got to go. Thank you for your help, which was none. How many have ever been hurt while the one that's hurting you thought it was still a secret? You knew they did something against you, but they didn't know you knew. That's where Jesus was at. He knew Judas has already, he's already betrayed him in his heart. Wow. We've all had that happen to us. We already knew what they had said. We already knew what they had done to us. And now we're face to face with them again. And they didn't know that we knew. Each one of us faced different battles every day in our lives. We face people that's done us wrong. They speak evil about us. They wouldn't help us no matter what the circumstances. It's hard to love them kind of people. Now, most of the time, that's in our family. I'll just be honest. Most of the time, that's in your family. Family hurts you worse than anybody else. The rank stranger off the street, when they hurt my feelings, it's like, oh, big deal. You move on. But when my family hurts me, then I'm hurt. Why? Because they know me. They're supposed to love me. Why would they do something against me? Amen. It's hard to love people like that. This is where Jesus was in this passage. We cannot let our heart be hardened by this world or how someone is treating us. Jesus continued to love Judas when it was easier to hate. 
I can hear in my spirit, but pastor, I don't hate anyone. And I hope that's true, that we're sitting here and we don't hate anyone. I heard a joke the other day that says, I don't exactly hate you, but if you were on fire and I had water, I would drink you. That's not right. I'm just going to tell you right now. That's not right. That, splash somebody with some water. I mean, come on now. You need to splash them. That's pretty bad. I'm going to tell you, that, that case right there, you still have hate in your heart. You still have hate in your heart. And you, you think, well, no, I'm not. No, I'm going to go ahead and drink the water. I really don't care. We can't be like that. We can't let the attitude be in us. We must love when it's easier to hate. Love is sometimes an emotion. But it's always an action. This is good stuff right here. You ought to be saying, Pastor, that's awesome. That's great. Sometimes love is what you feel. But love is always what you do. Wow. You think you got somebody loving you and they're doing you wrong? You better think again. Because that love action, they're showing you how much they love you. You could say it all you want. It's lip action. You can say it all you want. But when they're showing you the hatred, when they're doing you wrong, they're not loving you. I'm just telling you. That doesn't mean you can be mean to them still yet. You've got to continue to love them. We know that Jesus loves us because of the ways he serves us, leading all the way up to the cross. Jesus does what no one else is willing to do. In this example in John 13, Jesus left heaven where he sat on a throne and was served by angels to come to earth and to sit on the floor and to serve his disciples, washing their feet. He didn't have to do that. He humbled himself to do that. In that, in that day when travelers walked most everywhere they would go, their feet would be covered in dust. And the job of cleaning the guest's feet was reserved for the lowest ranking servant in the house. That's what your Jesus did. That's what your Lord did. That's what your Savior did. He humbled himself. Nevertheless, Jesus humbled himself and washed the disciples' feet. What an example for us. Even knowing Judas is sitting there, it might be one thing to wash the feet of all your friends, but now you got somebody here that's hating on you. That means we have to love that store clerk when they're being rude to us. Have to show love and do for others, whether it's washing someone's feet or shoveling your neighbor's driveway, which he was hoping would have been blown away in a tornado. We must follow the example of Jesus and show love everywhere we can, even if we feel it's not deserved. That's a hard one. I didn't realize it's going to be so hard to preach, God. Jesus loves his enemies. For us sinners, this is definitely good news. When we were sinners, Christ died for us. It's good news for us. We were the enemy of God. You say, well, I'm not the enemy of God. How do you talk? You're not talking to me. You're talking to somebody else. If you're living in sin, you're the enemy of God. Plain and simple, you're the enemy of God. Here's King James Version, Romans 8 and 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. That's good scripture. But I liked it better in the... The Good News Bible of the UK. Get this. And so people become enemies of God when they are controlled by their human nature. 
that makes it a whole lot more simple for me. When we're being controlled by our human nature instead of by the Spirit of God, we become the enemy of God. For they do not obey God's law, and in fact, they cannot obey it. We can't walk in the flesh. We can't be carnally minded. Otherwise, we'd be hating on everybody. We wouldn't be loving on anybody. Jesus, Judas, Jesus, get them too close together, you just read them both. Jesus got on the floor for Judas, but he got on a cross for us. Jesus poured out water for Judas, but he poured out his blood for us. Jesus cleansed part of Judas's body, but he cleansed the whole body of us. Amen? Hallelujah. We are tried. We're tested on a daily basis. We're going to love or are we going to hate? Can I tell you, love, we've got to love when it's easier to hate. Someone might say, well, Pastor, I don't hate. Listen to this. I pulled up some quotes, and I thought they were awfully good. John R. Rice said this. When boiled down to its essence, unforgiveness is hatred. End quote. Pastor, unforgiveness again? That's been the theme of your, your whole three years of being here, pastors, is unforgiveness. You preach that every other week. Really? On Valentine's Day, unforgiveness? Hey, it may help somebody on Valentine's Day. I'm just telling you. Harry Emerson Fostick said this. Hating people is like burning down your own house to get rid of a rat. <laughs> Hate and unforgiveness will burn you up. It'll eat you up. It'll cause bitterness in your life. Jack Hiles said this. You will never really love until you love someone who hates you. Oh, my word. I've got story after story about people hating me. And I had to go ahead and love them. Will Smith said this, throughout life, people will make you mad, disrespect you, and treat you bad. Let God deal with the things they do, because hate in your heart will consume you. These are good words. We need to take them to heart. Sometimes it's hard to show the love of, that we know represents Jesus that's inside of us. We know Jesus is, is, is inside of us. We ask for forgiveness. He's abiding in us. He lives in us. But sometimes it's hard to let others know that. Sometimes it's hard to let Jesus out of Drew. Because Drew wants to take over. This is what you're doing. This is what I want you to do. I'm not alone here. I'm going to keep preaching whether you amen me or not. It's the truth. We're all the same way. We speak things when we should keep, keep our mouth shut. In today's world, it's become increasingly hard to love people. But I have to keep the old man down. I have to keep the person I used to be down. Because you know what? As soon as I, I take my foot off his throat, he wants to get up and control everything I do. He wants to get up and push Jesus off the throne, put Drew back on the throne. How do we do that? How do we keep the old man down? How do I let my light shine so the world can see? Galatians 2 and 20. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I love the practicality of John 3 and 30. It says this. It's a big, long, big, long verse right here. He must increase, but I must decrease. (laughs) That's how you keep the old man down. That's how you keep walking for Jesus. That's how you let your light shine. You have to decrease while he increases in your life. If we're not letting God have full control, if we're not crucifying our flesh daily, I'm afraid that we're going to show how much Jesus that we actually have on the inside of us. Sometimes it's not very much. You say, well, you're either saved or you're not. You're, you're correct with that. You're either saved or you're not. But Jesus is walking out the door sometimes because I, I, you're going to take over. I'm not going to stay in there. I'm not going to do them things. People don't like to hear about backsliding. A lot of religions doesn't believe in backsliding. Guess what? God's love will never leave you, but you can leave him. Can I tell you right now that no one has arrived in their Christianity, in their walk with God? No one's arrived. I'm super spiritual. Now I'm here, and sin doesn't affect me anymore, and here I am. I've arrived. No one is so spiritual that we don't need more of God. We need more of God. Preachers need more of God. Probably more than anybody else do. Preachers need more of God. When they think they've arrived, they need to get back on their knees because they haven't arrived. Until they're in heaven, they have not arrived. You must increase. We have to pray this prayer. You must increase. I must decrease. To me, it's easy to see there's people in the world now that's just trying to provoke you to anger. They are. You know what? And if they're not doing it on purpose, they're letting the enemy use them in that way. Hebrews 10.24 says this, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. And so what, what are you saying, Pastor? What I'm saying here is when they're trying to provoke you to anger and to hate, provoke them to love. Provoke them to love. We were talking about a couple of gentlemen yesterday, and one of them sitting here, and that's my father-in-law. And, and the other one is Bishop Webb. If you go around any of these two guys and you see them in, in the <clears throat> store or restaurant or anything like that, they don't know a stranger. And I don't care what kind of attitude or what kind of lip they give my father-in-law or Bishop Webb. When they start talking to them, it's not long until you can see them. They just turn the conversation. You can see them taking them words of hatred, and they just turn them around. And you know what they're doing? Soft answers. Turns away wrath. We know that's in the Word of God. And we see, I've seen these two gentlemen do this before. We need to understand what they're doing, really doing is provoking them to love. That's what they're doing. We need to be careful because it's hard to show love when people are being rude. God, I know you didn't mean for me to love that when he's rude. When they're being hateful, when they're being obnoxious, or simply just an irritant. I know some Christians that are just an irritant. God, give me love for them. And they used to live with me. Have you ever said, I can only take so much? Seem like we're full. We can only take so much. I'm about to go off on this person. I'm about to give this person a piece of my mind. The first thing we need to realize is we can't afford to give any more of our mind away. (laughs) 
Some of you have given your mind away a long time ago. I'm just telling you, don't give up anymore. Don't give up anymore. I'm just teasing. You know I love you. Before we realize it, we speak out of our own thoughts. What we want to say or speak, what we feel they really deserve. Hmm. But God reminded me. I, you know, I, I always, I've used that as a joke before. We can't afford to give people a piece of our mind. But God reminded me this week when I, I literally wrote it down, then God just started speaking to my heart. He said uh, that we're not only giving people a piece of our mind, but we're also giving away our joy, our happiness, our peace. When we give in to that emotion, we want to give them a piece of our mind. That's what we're really giving up. Galatians gives us a great example. It's a great explanation here. Galatians in the God's Word translation 5 and 17. What your corrupt nature wants is contrary to what your spiritual nature wants. And what your spiritual nature wants is contrary to what your corrupt nature wants. They are opposed to each other. As a result, you don't always do what you intend to do. I start out every day to be nice. Because usually before I can get off Leblong, somebody's made me mad. They come over the hill too fast. They're going too slow. I don't always do what I intend to do. Next verse says, if your spiritual nature is your guide, you're not subject to Moses' laws. The 19, that, I love this. It says, now the effects of a corrupt nature are obvious. This is the Bible saying this. It's obvious. You need to know this. This is very obvious. We need to listen and see if these things are in our lives today. When I mention these, see if they're in your lives, because these are obvious. That's what the Bible says. The effects of a corrupt nature are obvious. Illicit sex, perversion, promiscuity, idolatry, drug use, hatred, rivalry, jealousy, angry outbursts. Do you know people like that? You're just like walking along, like they're mad. What happened? Selfish ambition, conflict, factions. Envy, drunkenness. Oh, well, don't even, you don't even want me to stop here, but I'm stopping here anyway. Christians don't drink. Christians do not drink. Can I give you an illustration? Somebody said, well, a little wine's not going to hurt you. It probably won't. Everybody's getting quiet. They're ready to hear this. But what it's going to lead to is a deep, dark sin. The spirit is attached to it just like it is with drugs, just like it is with sex addiction. There's a spirit that's attached to alcohol, and when you start drinking it, you may not get drunk the first time. And I give this analogy, and it's going to be, uh, this is going to be R-rated analogy. It's just a little drink. It's just a little drink. But if I go out and cheat on my wife, but I don't go all the way, it's just a little sex. Is it still sin against her? Sin against my God? Absolutely. You need to understand, if you're drinking, you're dabbling with something that's going to take you to hell. These are obvious, is what the Word of God says. These are obvious things. On this Valentine's Day, we're supposed to be talking about love, and now I'm preaching to the hell. 
Verse 21, envy, drunkenness, wild partying. Well, who would have thought that's in the Word of God? I thought I could get by with that one. And similar things. I've told you in the past, and I'm telling you again, that people who do these kinds of things will not inherit the kingdom of God. How many knows there's two places for eternity? Heaven and hell. You will not inherit heaven by doing any of the things I just mentioned. Is that plain enough? Is that the truth? Absolutely. We still believe this word. This comes out of the word. That's the truth of God's word here today. But I've got good news. The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. God knew we needed him. We needed the fruit of the Spirit in our life. We need the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Today's message is simplistic. It's very practical. I want you to understand. I wanted you to take it to heart. We must love when it's easier to hate. Any person doing any of these sins I just mentioned, that doesn't mean we hate them. Come on. We need a big amen on that. Somebody called and they said, Hey, there's a homosexual couple that wants to come to church. What do you guys feel about that? I said, bring them on. I said, we love the people. We hate the sin. God hates the sin. We hate the sin. We love the people. Absolutely, we love the people. I've told others in the past, I don't know your secret sins. You come to church, you be a saint all week long. And every Sunday I see you're a saint. I don't know your secret sin. But you know, any sin will keep you out of heaven. I got to get back. I got to get back. Man, when they get your order wrong, if you've explained in great detail exactly what you want, I want a cheeseburger with pickles only and, and, and on a bun with tater tots and a cherry vanilla Dr. Pepper. And they say, do you want cheese on that? I said, yes, please. Tater tots or fries? Tater tots. What would you like to drink with that? I told one girl, I said, will you please stop multitasking and just listen to me? I just want your undivided attention for like 20 seconds, and you go back doing whatever you're doing, playing your games, visiting on your phone, playing Hey Day, whatever you're doing, you just go back to it. Just give me 20 seconds. We still got to love them. We still got to love them. Show the love of God. Wow. You don't know the pain people's inflicted on my family. Now it's hard to see that person. It's hard to talk to that person. Hard to be cordial to that person. We still have to love when it's easier to hate. If I took a poll here today, I believe every one of us would say someone has done us wrong at some time. I, I believe everybody would agree to that. I don't care all the way down to a baby. You take the bottle away, you did them wrong. And they would say the same thing. I want you today to think about the one that, that's inflicted the most pain on you. Think about that person. Can you still love them? Can you still love them? And, and it's not that you can love them. It's the Christ that's in you. The Christ that he enables you. 
to love people even when they've done you wrong, Brother Scotty? Can you let the love of God shine through you? Can you love them when it's easier to hate them? Even if they didn't protect you when they should have, they did things to you that you didn't deserve, you didn't ask for, can you still love them? Can you still forgive them? 1 Peter 4 and 8 says, Above all, hate each other as much as possible because hate covers many sins. That's not what it says. 1 Peter 4 and 8 says, And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. What do we do when it's easier to hate? Do we love them? Pastor, you don't understand how poorly they treated me. Jesus is our example. If I recall, they didn't treat Jesus very well either. Matthew 16, 24, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Those who want to come to me must say no to the things they want. Pick up the crosses and follow me. He knew we'd face some things, so he gave us that. And then some of his last words on the cross was Jesus saying, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Here he was, unrecognizable on the cross. Some say he didn't even look like a human being. He'd been beat so severely. And he's saying these words, Father, forgive them. Wow. Love when it's easier to hate. Now, I'm not going to apologize for what I preach because I believe it's from God. I'm sorry if you didn't take it and receive what God had for you today because God's here today to feed you. He's here to bless you. He's here to uplift you. And the bitterness that you may be feeling in your heart or the hatred you may have in your heart for someone, God wants to deliver you from that. He wants to be back on the throne in your life so you can live that life, so you can shine for Him. Would you stand with me? I'm going to ask everyone to find them a place to pray. You know what? I'm the pastor. I am not your God. You don't have to confess your sins to me. If there's a root of bitterness, a, a root of hate in your life, that's between you and God. God didn't reveal to me, oh, you need to pray for Shelly. She's got this in her heart. He didn't reveal that to me. Or oh, maybe it's Miss Kim or Miss Lisa or Miss Martin. God didn't reveal that to me. He just told me what to preach. He's dealing with you one-on-one. -on -one. But he sent a messenger today to let you know you've got to love when it's easier to hate. That means changing our ways. Submitting ourselves to it. I can't get past the word surrender. God just keeps laying it on my heart. Surrender. We need to be fully surrendered to God. And what he wants for our life. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you're still in control of every situation. Lord, when our life seems out of control, you're still in control. I ask you, Lord, right now that you give us that love of the Father. Lord, forgive us, Lord, when we didn't love correctly. Show us, lead us, and guide us, Lord, that we can love the way you want us to love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.